Welcome back to Partnerships Unraveled, the podcast where we unravel the mysteries of partnerships and channel on a weekly basis. My name is Rick van der Bos and I'm the CEO and founder at Chenext, and I'm here together with Alex Whitford, VP Partners at Chenext. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing amazingly today because uh, it's an exciting day at Chanax. Our new table football tables arrived. So, yeah, the the office is abuzz, usually praising me because I'm definitely the best one here. I won't have any lies on anyone saying that I'm not the best player in the in the office. So happy to be here. It's continuous competition here, right? Yeah, yeah. There's there's way too many egos involved when it comes to table football. It gets uh, deathly competitive. But, yeah, it's good fun. Yeah. Would you also like to share the reason why we have a new one? Uh, because we played the old one so hard and so much that it broke. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, actually, I, I heard from a lot of people that they're really happy indeed. Yeah. So uh, great that it's uh, back in business now, uh, the football table. Uh, awesome. Well, we are actually kickstarting a new series today about building a channel from scratch. And it, it doesn't matter if you're really building it for the first time within your company or you're entering like a new geography or a new vertical where you build a specific channel team and strategy around that. But we're going to share some of the fundamentals that you can create every time when you build a new channel team to actually make sure that you have the highest likability of success there. And a few couple of topics that we're going to cover will be things like strategy, architecture, team. And it's actually part of a six-part series where today is the first part where we're going to introduce the, the, the multiple uh, fundamentals that are, are there, that are there or actually the pillars that we like to call them of building a channel team from scratch. Yeah, I think it's a, a really great opportunity because I see so often that channels have to go through this re-evolution process because they haven't designed their channel to be future-proof. They embed some things that aren't optimally designed and then it's really hard to unpick later on. So hopefully we're going to save uh, all our listeners a load of time, give them the fundamentals of those key five pillars so that if you are building a new channel into a new geography or really a channel from scratch, you understand, okay, here are the things that are going to work for me today, but they're also going to work three, five years down the line and save yourself a whole load of drama uh, down the line. Yeah. What, what do you see there a lot? Like I see, especially geography, oftentimes that's how channel teams are structured. Like, are there other things as well? Do you see it, for example, vertical based or is it mostly... Yeah, what's most common? Uh, uh, geography is a classic one, vertical is a classic one, but also product, right? So what will I often say, I can pick on a, pick on Microsoft as a really good example. They've got a, a massive channel, but some are software partners, but they also have Surface Hub, which is a hardware product. Those all have two different routes to market, two different operational strategies, two different pricing programs. That is a widely different uh, vehicle. And so definitely depending on product segmentation, you may build two wildly different vertical or wildly different channels because the type of partner you want to be selling that product is very very different and 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 is there like a rule of thumb where you usually start like you start with geography and then into verticals or the other way around or or is it not is it hard to say without seeing the specifics of a company yeah as a a general rule i start with the end user so start with the end user in mind and work back from there but without seeing the specifics i i think it's harder to say you know um, you start with vertical, start with product. Instead, start with the outcome that you want to deliver, which is you want to sell to these types of end users, and then you can sort of architect your channel backwards from that motion. Yeah, I think we're already touched upon one of the most important fundamentals, which is the channel strategy. And I think that's one of the key questions you already see with my questions right now. Like there's a lot more to to unwrap actually before you know what how to approach it. Like why do you think channel strategy is so important and how can you best approach that? 
Yeah, the you know, I do a lot of consultancy around sort of first time movers around building a channel. And one of the things that I sort of ask them straight off the bat, and it gives me a really clear idea of how easy those first sessions are going to be is why are you building a channel? And I think that's the best place to start because then channel strategy hangs off that. If it's to enter a new type of end user, if it's to enter a new vertical, it's, it's to launch a new product that you've never sold before, then you can start to work your channel strategy back off the outcome that you want to win with. If it's just growth, then I usually push back hard and say, okay, but what about channel growth are you trying to deliver? What are you trying to secure? Because then if it's you know about a slicker operational meca- mechanism, you don't want to hire lots of people internally, then you can start to build a channel program really effectively off that goal you really have to start with the goal in mind. Yeah, I fully agree there. I, th- I think if you start with a goal, that's when you can start reverse engineering. So you have a certain goal that you want to hit as a company, let's say in the upcoming two years, then you need to look, okay, what type of end users can we best serve and how can we serve them optimally to achieve that goal? Then find who are the partners that best fit that and then build your whole channel strategy and mechanics around that. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to someone and they've built a channel and what they've done is they've just, taken all the direct business through the channel that haven't grown and then fundamentally there's people who are annoyed in the business and it came back to some of the people in the business thought oh we want to go in direct and some of the people thought oh we wanted to add incremental revenue those two are wildly different goals if you need to add incremental revenue you need to build a strategy that's going to deliver that result not simply funnel all the direct business through the channel right so having absolute clarity around what the goals then you can build off the architecture and everything else to support that motion and I think that's immediately where you see how important that cross-company cross alignment is indeed. Because if, if maybe within a channel team, it looks like it's going amazing, but there's frustration at the top because it, maybe it's cannibalizing the direct revenue and therefore the top-line revenue is not growing as expected. Yeah, 100%. It's absolutely one of the key pillars that you want to touch on when you're talking about building a channel strategy. It's ensuring that channel strategy is networked into the whole business and not only into the channel division, because there's nothing worse than a CRO turning around and going, hang on a second, channel's up 300%, but our direct business is down 50%, and hang on a second, those two numbers equal each other. Brilliant. We've just invested and we've not generated anything new. Suddenly, channel director's gone, half the team sacked, and it's it's an absolute nightmare, right? So what you instead want to be doing is having clarity and networking that clarity getting all the stakeholders within the business involved so that they are all signed off and jointly agreed to delivering that plan and making it successful yeah without that in place it will be a setup setup for failure probably yeah for sure and like anything i think strategy is critical because it doesn't matter on the execution if the strategy is not well well aligned the execution will only pull in the wrong direction Yeah, and I think when we are talking about execution, we talk a lot about channel infrastructure, right? Or or sorry, channel architecture, that's the right right word. And and from a channel architecture perspective, so let's say after we're going to touch upon more strategy in the next episode, but then when you have your strategy in place, then it's time for architecture. Like what what do we mean with architecture and also what what does our our listener need to know about it? Yeah, I I, I sort of, we started with why do you want to build a channel? I think the the second question for architecture is what does a channel look like? And and the, the answer is, well, it looks like a thousand different ways depending on the business model, right? Referral versus resale, distribution or direct. Um, You know, do we want thousands of partners or do we just want integrators? You know, what does that all look like? I've described a few different types of channel there, 
your architecture is what that is going to look like. And again, that needs to be pulled back to tie directly into your channel strategy. So the strategy is the outcome that you're going to deliver. The architecture is then the mechanism of the, the profile of the channel that you're going to create that is going to get you to that strategy, right? A, a, a very key, easy one that I think most people will understand is, are we going to work with distributors? Yes or no. Or are we going to start with direct partners and then maybe add distributors later? That is a fundamentally different approach. And that's you're going to have to make those decisions very early on because that's going to massively impact your first actions in the first 90 days of building a channel is understanding that architecture. And the big mistake I see when we talk about unpicking mistakes of initial channel design is that architecture wasn't well thought out. We recruited partners that actually should be under distribution or we recruited distributors that we didn't need. And then you spend a, a load of time, two years, three years into building your channel, re-architecting everything to make it now work. If you spent enough time on the architecture and it's well thought out at the beginning, then you can skip all of that pain and just have a really streamlined process. Yeah, 100%. If, if I think about it, like I think strategy is very inside out. So what do we want to achieve and how do we build from there? But then with architecture, you're going to look outside in. So based on... Your strategy, you know, what type of partners do we need? You just mentioned some interesting ones, distributors, maybe you want referral partners or resellers, uh, system integrators. And then we actually know we've spoken a lot about it and we will do more in the upcoming episodes. Every partner needs a very different approach and very different support. So then you need to have a look, okay, how are we going to help them from a sales and marketing, technical and an operations perspective? And that's how you wrap it all together in your architecture, right? Like who's the partner we're going to serve based on our strategy? And then how can we best facilitate the partner to become successful? Yeah. And the, the other bit that I, I often talk about is it's not change, it's evolution, right? So the architecture that you implement year one is not going to be the architecture that's going to stay there forever. But what you don't want is a change. You want an evolution. So you can have a step-by-step -step process where you gain critical mass and you add key people in, but it, it's it's about moving forward, not correcting what you've done behind, right? So the last thing you want to do is go, we're going all in on distribution and then a year later go, okay, we're cancelling all our distributors and we're signing partners directly. That's not evolution, that's change. Instead, it's like, okay, we're going to start with these lean uh, specialized distributors and then we're going to add a broadliner and then we're going to add GSIs and that's evolution. And that's what, when we sit down and talk about architecture in detail, that's the version one, version two and version three of channel architecture that you may work towards, but you've always got that end goal in mind. You're always striving for that continuous progression and development. And then, then I think another principle we spoke a lot about in one of the earlier episodes was start small, make a couple of partners very successful. Doesn't matter if you work with distributors or with referral partners or with resellers, like make sure you have a handful or so that are successful. And from there you start scaling your architecture, right? Like once you know this architecture is working, then you want to like double down on the resources to scale that. Yeah, absolutely. You can spend all the time in the world building your strategy, building your architecture, but very rarely will you 100% know. So, you know, we talk a lot at Chanex about fail fast, fail cheap. Like, let's build a hypothesis. Let's test that as quickly and effectively and as cheaply as possible. And then once we know it works, then we can invest heavily. And so I absolutely think no matter what we talk about today in terms of building a sustainable channel, the only way you know it's sustainable is if you prove it and then invest. And so absolutely, if you want to hire a specialized distributor to continue the same example, well, let's do one in one territory, prove that it works, and then we can map out from there and, and go and find like-minded distributors in every other territory and, and really drive that philosophy down.
Yeah, 100%. And, and then I think when you got the architecture in place, then it's also important to think around compensation for the partner. Because I think if you've looked at the architecture and the strategy, then you know a lot better, okay, what role does the partner play in our go-to-market strategy? Indeed, when you keep... T- when you facilitate or support the customers on your own, then it will be more referral partners. If you want your partners to to do everything, they will be resellers. If you want distributors in play, then you need to give away even more margin. Like for listeners that are thinking about this, and actually I quite often get like a DM or a question specifically about compensation. How do you best attack that if you're drafting the rest of your channel plan? Yeah, so when we talk about partner recruitment, I think this is something we've we've spoken a lot at you want to know a few things um, with you want three things when you're recruiting partners, you want to tell them who they're going to sell to, how easy is it to sell and how much money are they going to make? And the important thing is the easier is it to sell, the less money they need to make, the harder it is to sell, the more money that it needs to make. So while I can't give you a definitive answer, you need them to be making enough money that the effort is worth it. And so where I see a lot of vendors go wrong is it's too easy to sell and the partner's making too much money and the partner's really happy because it's really easy to do and they're making 40% margin and, oh my God, they're so happy. Or actually the, the vendor is asking them to do a lot of work and actually they're only making 8%. And and suddenly the partner's just never going to be interested and you're never going to scale. So again, fail fast, fail cheap, test it in a few different ways, but you need to be making sure that that balance is right, that the juice is worth the squeeze for the partner. Yeah, and, and what I would also advise is to not only around look at the compensation or the margin on your product, but really around what can the partner sell on top of that. Like Jay McBain always talks about multipliers. So with every euro of your software sold or your product, what amount of revenue can the partners in your ecosystem sell on top of that? And I think that's where it becomes really interesting if you can build cases around that and show your partners Okay, if you sell my product, it's not just the 20% margin you get on that $1, but you actually are able to sell $4 extra of services, adjacent products, etc. And that's how you position the full package indeed with what you just said. How easy is it to sell and what money am I going to make? Like that that's the full package you want your partners to think about and what gets them most exciting. Yeah, exactly. And I think the 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 great thing about what you're talking about there in terms of that multiplier and services is such a classic one. What's great about that is if a partner's making loads of service margin, they don't particularly care about making lots of money on your product, right? I think HubSpot's an amazing example where their partners, you know, their integration partners, their delivery partners, they're making loads, 100% margin typically on services. Well, even if they're not making significant money on the actual HubSpot modules, they're making all of their money on services. And that's great because suddenly um, those HubSpot have managed to retain their pricing but the partner's really happy because they're making loads of money. And, and that's where you get that balance of how much money am I making versus how easy is it to sell. Yeah, and, and then for the, I think, uh, indeed, for example, with referral, you can think about, okay, they do most of the selling or they only bring in the lead, so what margin can I give to them? With resale, it needs to be higher because they need to work on the renewals as well. And you need to think about what, how do we compensate our partners for renewals and upsells. But with distri- distributors, it can be a bit more complex even, right? Because then there needs to be enough margin for the reseller and for the distributor. 
Do you have any advice there? Yeah, so this is absolutely something you want to be tackling both in your architecture design and in your compensation design because what what you've got to be understanding is have we built the right architecture for the product that we're selling or the solution that we're trying to deliver? Because you're absolutely right. If you've got more mouths to feed in terms of distributor and reseller, then you've got to be able to get the value out of that. So what is the distributor doing to provide that value. For example, if you know that you only need five partners in the UK, you probably don't need a distributor. If you know you need a thousand partners in the UK and you don't know who they are, then the distributor is providing a huge amount of value to recruit, onboard and enable those partners. That's the sort of balance that you get. And very often I hear vendors say, oh my God, the distributor, you know, has taken all this margin for not doing any work, but they're forgetting actually they only got these partners because of the distributor in the first place. So you've got to understand that trade-off and that comes down to architecture design and compensation design matching the strategy that you want to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. And and then I think if we look at the, we've got three of the fundamentals right now, strategy, architecture, compensation, then you can start thinking about, okay, how are we going to construct the team around it? Because then you know what compensation is my partner going to get, but also what resources do we do we need in place from our side to ex- actually build and scale that partner program, uh, right? And, and, and what's, I think the first hire is clear, that's always the head of channel, right? Or, or a channel account that's going to build the first couple of partners, et cetera. But, but where, where do you take it from there? Like yeah. What's the, the, the framework maybe to think about, like when you build a hiring plan or when you think how do we eventually grow the team? Yeah, the four pillars that you need to think about are sales, marketing, technical, and operations. So your operational people will be your program design people. They'll be the people per, you know, processing the, the POs, the billing engine, whatever that looks like. Your marketing people are the people driving the co-sell motion or the co-marketing motion into the partners. So if you've got a very marketing heavy strategy, you've got to resource that department. If actually you're just going to do all the marketing direct to end user, well, actually that might not even need to sit within the channel. And it's just a little bit in terms of, you know, put content in the partner portal, whatever that piece is. There's also in the sales element, you want to be breaking sales into two pieces. One, who's speaking to the end user and who's driving the partner. And do we want that to be direct via distribution? Again, it all comes down to the architecture. But why strategy, architecture and compensation become so important, it is then much easier to resource your team well. And the last is, technically, are you looking for the partner to be the technical person? Are you looking for you to be the technical person? If you've got a direct go-to-market motion, can you just use some of that resource as well? And then you don't need to hire. Again, fail fast, fail cheap, right? I think it's fairly easy to put a resource plan together, but don't hire hundreds of people and then have to let half of them go in six months' time, right? You can start slower, borrow resource from the direct team if you have it, and then you can start to scale as you need and get specialists in. Yeah, I think that's actually a good one. Indeed, if you first, for example, operations, probably in the beginning, first one or two years, you won't have a separate person for that because there is already a finance department. There are people doing that for direct already. Ask them to support you for the partner deals that you are working on so you can facilitate them quickly. I think where it's interesting indeed, like, okay, so a head of channel just started. They are thinking about, they, they got some traction building it. And from there, you need to think what's next, like in or growth path to success do we need to recruit a lot of partners then you probably need a couple more partner account managers do we need to like help our partners indeed one of the questions you asked like how important is it what does the partner does the technical implementation or do we do it 
and and or and if the partner does it how much training does it require from us if that's very high i've spoken to multiple people also working at SaaS companies their first hire literally is a solution engineer who does nothing else than go with every sales deal that the partner has do the technical talk help the partners explain it train the partners on it to really get a grasp on that and and i think that's important to really look at the use cases and that's why it helps to first look at strategy architecture and compensation because then you can look okay who do we need in what position to drive that behavior yeah and i think the other piece that you want to be thinking around as well with personnel is with technology right i think we're entering into the age of ai we're having lots of conversations internally about how we're suddenly in a new area where actually we don't need to hire as many people because ai can help streamline some of the things that we used to have people for um And also there's just technology and automation that means that you don't need to hire as many people as quickly because there are tools out there that can scale your time so much further. You know, we speak a lot about the new technology that's entering the market that's specifically designed for channel and partnerships. And when you're resourcing your team and building your hiring plan, you want to be embedding the technology and the tools early again so you don't have to unpick stuff, right? So don't hire 10 cams and then invest in a in a deal analysis tool that integrates with partners that's crazy do that with your first hire so the process is embedded and tested and then every new hire that drops in they're brought in with that technology in mind yeah and and i think from that perspective also make sure that you really have playbooks for everything so indeed when it's working for one person document it pour it into a process and from there as soon as you get new people on board you really can start scaling and make sure that it's not just a one hit wonder so to say a really good hire that is doing it very properly but we don't know how can we make the next person very successful there yeah exactly and i think that's why you're always building your channel in that version one version two version three module remember it's evolution not change but you've got to be doing your activities with evolution in mind if you're not building the right level of documentation if you're not making it a scalable onboarding and enablement process for your own internal team you're always going to have this attrition and this lag because people don't get onboarded and deliver value quickly enough. So make sure, and that's why I'm such a big fan of early on hiring, you know, a channel ops person or a programs person who can do that documentation. Because let's be very clear, you want to build a very successful and big channel and you can only do that with a certain amount of resource hired but you can really scale the efficiencies by investing in the automation, but also the people to drive the scalability of the individuals. Yeah, and and then I think we almost automatically get to the final point with automation, but also systems, etc., which is data and reporting, because that's so crucial. How are you going to measure? Like there's a big lag between signing up a partner and eventual revenue. How are you going to measure that you are steering into the right direction as a channel? Yeah, it's the it's the number one problem in the channel, to be blunt. I think so many people misunderstand the one the value of data because they're just not used to having it. But anyone who's built a direct go-to-market motion knows that you track for your inbound, your outbound, your nearbound, your BDR activity, your AE activity. You're tracking a thousand different data points to ensure that you've got very, very predictable revenue growth. And in the channel, we track partner recruitment and deal registration. It's just not good enough. And so when you're building a channel, I think the channel is one of the best areas of business you can go into. I think it's fundamentally going to be the most successful way to build business in the next five to 10 years. But you've got to improve the data insights. We can't be using the same reporting metrics that we were using in the 90s. That's an utter failure. No other industry still works the same way. And so if you're building a channel, build a modern one that's got the right data insights at vendor, at DISTI, at partner, at end user, so you can be ultimately successful. 
And especially when you just started, then you're in a really good position actually to get it right from the get-go. Because if you make sure that you really measure everything, and then we mean everything, like let's, if you look at partner, just look at this as like a complete funnel. So how many partners did we reach out to? And then how many partners from everyone that we reached out to became signed the partner agreement eventually? How many partners became certified and did like all the onboarding steps, et cetera, and really go all the way down to deal registration and then closed one deals. And if you track that from day one, then after year one, you already have some form of data where you know, oh, actually we know now how many people we need next year to get this amount of partner recruitment and if we get, or this amount of partner outreach. And if we keep the same conversion, we know that will lead to this amount of partners. And that's, I think, a really interesting way of looking at it and something I would love to challenge the listeners on because we see it so often in these even companies who are building a brand new channel, like have no legacy, still only looking at the classic stuff because that's what we have been doing. Like how many partners have an agreement and how many deal registrations and then the closed one. But there's so many more leading indicators and we're going to talk about that in that specific episode, but that will really help you if you get that right from, from the start. Yeah, it's like driving a 300-mile uh, journey, getting the first turn, a middle turn, and a late turn. It's like there's so much information and data and reporting that you need between every single junction so that you can make sure that your channel is running optimally. So absolutely embed the measurement infrastructure at the outset because trust me, it's so much easier to do with run, one rep and 10 partners than it is for 100 rep and 10,000 partners. Get it in early, embed the process, and build for version three so that it's evolution and not change. Yeah, start small and, and there really look what's working and then start scaling it. You can't do that without reporting. No, absolutely. 100%. Awesome. I'm looking forward to this series. Uh, I think what we touched upon today were actually the five fundamentals of building your channel which is start with the strategy, then the architecture, make sure the compensation is right for the partners, the full picture. So we need also what can they add for their own services and the margins. Look at the team and from there, look how are you going to analyze data and report on it, both within your team, but also on a company level. Thank you for sharing today, Alex. Thank you to our listeners and see you next week. 